my hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. I'll just confess to you this morning, I have nothing worthwhile to say to you today. I come today with no wisdom. I've got, I don't have any funny stories. I'm not um, in any way entertaining other than maybe to look at. Uh, but I do, I do stand boldly today with an infallible word written, come from heaven. And I know that if we will submit ourselves to it, it will mend our hearts. It will give the timid courage. It will give humility to the proud. It will bless us in ways that we have not yet even thought to ask for. I believe God's word is perfect, and that's the reason that I want to stand here before you today. Here in Psalm 42, the psalmist, we're not positive who it is. I believe it could be David. I think it is, but we're not positive. The psalmist writes in a very honest way that he's discouraged and he's uh, gone through a difficult time. And um, I would say that he's probably clinically depressed. He is despairing, and he goes to where he needs to be. As you and I have done today, we've come to a good place. We've come to the house of the Lord. Um, did you know this? Do you know Christians can get depressed? Did you know that? No, Christians can't get depressed, can they? You, you, ever, you ever heard of Hezekiah? You ever read the Psalms? You ever read Jeremiah? You ever read the, the Pauline epistles? Sure, it is a difficult road, the road for the Christian. That in this world we live in a home that is not our home. This feels foreign because it is. <laughs> we were made for a different land. No wonder we feel out of place in this world. But I can tell you this morning, I have a great hope within me. I have a great hope bursting, welling inside of me. Uh, I wanted to, uh, they asked me to sing that song. I didn't, I didn't ask to sing that. But boy, what a great song. My hope is in him. And in, uh, my hope is not in the White House, regardless of who lives there. Or in the state house, or in the schoolhouse, or in any house. But, oh, I, I come to find out where my hope lies, in God's house. Can we read the word of the Lord this morning? And if it's okay, I'm going to read to you the whole psalm. Here the psalmist writes, from the bottom of his heart, he says, As the hart, or the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Condescendingly, they say. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitudes. I went with them to the house of God, and with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. That's how he describes his pain. Yet the Lord will commend 
His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto the God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? He feels that way. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me. What do they say? Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Father, this morning as we gather as one family around your word, we come into your house under the banner of your name, and we ask, Father, for nothing more, nothing less than your presence and your power to be in this place. Father, I ask your blessing as I preach, and as we read your word, I ask that you would come among us and that you would control my words and my thoughts, and I pray I wouldn't say anything untoward or out of the text. Father, that you would do your work this morning with your sweet Holy Spirit, speaking with a still, small voice and ministering to hearts that are in need today. Lord, your people are in need today. They're weary. They're beat. And we need you and nothing less. In Christ alone we pray. Amen. Amen. You hear in the scriptures, in the voice of the psalmist, in the beginning of the psalm, he has a great desire for the Lord. He has a great thirst. He describes it as a deer uh, there in the wilderness uh, coming to a watering hole and not really sure if it could even be a mirage. Have you ever seen a mirage? I did. I think it was back in February when I think I had covid I had a fever so bad in my bedroom, I began to see things that were not there. That's a special feeling. And you go, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. (laughs) Here, the psalmist, he is so desirous of God. He says, I'm like a a thirsty deer, a heart in the woods. And and he, he wants nothing more than for that cool drink of water. There in Haiti, we went there and visited a church uh, way up on top of the mountain, way up on top, long, long hike. Um, Ronnie, I don't know if you went with us that day. Uh, we went, did you go up there with us? Messicot, that's right. And I took five bottles of water, and I can do math. I went to public school, and I can still do math, basic math at least. And I drank two and a half bottles of water on the way up, and uh, I needed about five on the way down. And boy, we got down to the bottom of that hill there at the bottom of that mountain, and, and I had one of those life straws that filters water. And I was so thir- I'd never been thirsty like that in my life. And I got down there in that creek, and I began to suck water out of that creek. And looked about 30 feet upstream, and there was a mule. And I said, I'm going to go north of him there, yeah. But I was going to keep drinking. 
so thirsty. Nothing was going to keep me from that drink. Here, the psalmist cries out to God because he has had enough of this world and he has found, as you and I have found, that there's nothing here that can quench our thirst. He's had enough of getting what he wanted and now he needs nothing but the presence of God. He says there, he says, as the heart panteth, he goes, I'm, my tongue is out, my, my, the roof of my mouth is claven with thirst. So my soul panteth after thee. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. He cries out, when will I be able to come again? Here he's in some sort of exile where he's not able to go into worship as he wants to. How blessed are we this morning here in this room? Your padded pews are comfortable. The temperature in here is palatable. World-class sound system. We've got better instruments on this stage. I don't, need, I don't deserve to be standing here with these instruments. That's how nice these instruments are. Oh, how blessed. We got a little taste of it this year when we weren't able to have church there for seven or eight weeks, and we had to shut down because of the virus. Oh, and people just cried. They would call me. Oh, we've got to come back to church. We've got to come back to church. Have you ever experienced that desire for the Lord where nothing else will do? The Bible says that the Lord is available for those that desire Him. He is available for those. He said, seek me and I will be found. He says in the book of Jeremiah, verse, chapter 29 and verse 13, he says, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. There's a biblical principle there about not only just wanting God, but desiring God. In a way, a needing of God. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus told it this way. He said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He said in another way, a parable, he said that there was a man who had closed up his house for the night and laid down with his wife and children. And there at the midnight hour, a neighbor came to him and knocked and said, I've got visitors that have come unexpectedly and I've got no bread to feed them. Will you lend me some bread? And the man cried from inside the house. He said, I'm in bed with my wife and kids. I can't get up and give you bread. And the man outside continued to knock, and he says, but they're very important, and I've got to get something for them. And he said, I, go away, come back again. And he would not, and because he continued to knock, because of his, his desire, because he would not be refused, he wrestled there at the door, and he was receiving of what he was asking for. This is the biblical principle. See, everyone in here is in favor of Jesus, but there will be few that will say, I've got to have him. I've got to have him. I can't go on faking it. I can't go on making it up. I can't be the father and the husband that God has called me to be on my own. I don't have or possess that strength. I've got to have him and nothing but him. Oh, the desire of the psalmist is something that I readily, I readily identify with. I think of the old hymn that says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. How does it go? All because we do not go to the Lord in prayer. Are you desirous this morning? Does there, is there a burning longing in you 
If not, that should be our prayer today. Some might have come this morning a bit cool and indifferent. And I tell you what, just living in the world will do that to you. you it'd be easy to lose your compassion, lose your, lose your sympathy, lose your desire for worship. We just kind of come and go through the motions. And it is God who must be the centerpiece of our life, the first desire of our hearts. And if it's not, that's something that, that you have to wrestle with with God. I'm just going to lay that responsibility on your lap. You must say this morning, where do I stand with God? Because if we just come to God uh, in his house on Sunday and we put him like a cherry on top of an ice cream, like some kind of accessory or decoration in our life, I've got my bank account, I've got my house, I've got my family, I've got my health, I've got all these things, and we also throw a little Jesus in there on Sundays. It's just like the Lord to cause a storm to come into our life. Just to remind us that this world is insufficient to meet the needs of our heart. This virus has done that for a lot of people. It has humbled a lot of folks. It has for me. It has for me. It has shown me some things and I am thankful for that. My dad's cancer did that for him. He said, don't ever waste your cancer. Don't ever waste what God is doing in your life, whether it be through storm and trial or test, whatever it might be. Let it draw you to God like a thirsty deer to a water brook in the desert. To see that thing and to say, that's what I've got to have. And if I don't have it, I will surely die. Because that's the reality of the matter here this morning. If we do not have him, we will not make it. Not only in this life, but we'll not make it to the next. And so we clearly able to see, just in the first few verses there, of this great desire of the psalmist. And I think he's on the right track. But would you look with me there in verse 3? And you can see not only his desire, but his despair. There's a despair here. He says, my tears have been my meat. Day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Look in verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? He, he, he's, he's, he's asking himself, well, this is not you? What's going on here? What's, what's wrong with us? And he says it again there in verse 6. Go down there to verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Now he addresses God. He tells God what's on his heart. Look there in verse 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? This man is despairing. He feels, he legitimately feels that God has left him. Let me tell you something, Christian. God has not left You can feel that way sometimes. You can feel that way. But did you know something? We are not given the luxury of living on our feelings. We cannot live by how we feel day to day. The Christian life must be a life of discipline that though I might feel that way, I must remember the fact and the truth of the matter. He is God. Beside him is none other. He does not and cannot move or change. And if there's distance, who has changed?
It's like the older couple that pulled up to the stoplight behind the pickup truck. Remember those old pickup trucks that had the bench seat all the way across? You? They looked in the back window of that pickup truck and they saw the driver's head there. And right next to his head was a slightly smaller, more dainty head. Leaned up against him. Oh. And the lady, she said to her husband, she said, Harold, we used to ride like that. How come we don't ride like that anymore? We used to hold hands and sit real close. And he said, honey, I've been driving for 50 years. I have not moved. You're the one who scooted away over there. And this is how it is with us, is it not? Become cold and indifferent and, and, and uh, maybe uh, miss a few days of our devotions. Have you ever done that? No, you had never done that. I'm going to go home and tell them I preached in a perfect church in Cookville. They never miss their devotions. It's easy to do. It's easy to get busy in this, in this world. And to find ourselves in a world of hurt, the way that the psalmist describes it here, look there in verse 5. There's the same word he uses it three times, 5, 6, and 11. He says, why art thou cast down? It's not just thrown down. It's a, it's a shepherding term about a sheep. To be cast is a sheep that has wandered away, away from the fold, away from the shepherd, and has not been tended, has not been sheared. And one of the blessings of being sheared and having that weight of wool taken off of you is that it doesn't collect a lot of stuff like mud and feces and briars. Did you know that a sheep untended for a year or two can gain a hundred pounds? A hundred extra unneeded pounds and that is a lot on them little twiggy legs. And to be cast means that sheep one night lays down and in the morning is so wet with dew and wet with mud and wet with all of the other weightiness of life cannot right itself like a turtle and it just, just lays right there. And no one to come and help. That's what it is to be cast. And if no one comes and finds it, it will die like that. Here the shepherd, here, I think it's David. I think, he, I think that's why this term, I think it's because he's a shepherd. And he says, I feel like this, and if no one comes along and writes me, I'll, I'll surely die here. His despair is, is real. Did you know that there will be times in our lives when God will allow difficulties to come and, and, and troubles to come? He, he's, he does that. And as a parent, I do some of that too. I do it because I love them. We've got a five-year-old, almost six, and a five, six, six, he's six months today. And our little one, when he was growing and he was starting to walk, and he would get ready and he would stand up, and I'd turn loose of his hands, and he would walk over and he would fall. And I'd let him fall. It's the only way to learn is through adversity. The only way to learn is through struggle. The only way to grow not because I'm a bad father and I'm not a very good father. But I have his good in mind and so I would allow him to struggle. And God might be doing that with you this morning. Allowing you to be what seemed like in a, in a dry and a weary land. And you might feel like, God, where are you? And, and why is all this coming? Why do I feel this way? Remember this. God does not tempt any man. But he does test. He does test, like he tested Abraham. If you look in Genesis 22 or 23, the very first two verses there, it said, God put Abraham to the test. You know the test. He said to sacrifice Isaac. 
And any good teacher that gives out a test will give out the test and then does not help the student through it. But the teacher is quiet during the time of testing. And you might be here this morning and could be able to say, Amen, that's where I am this morning. I feel cast. I feel, I feel just on my side and, and, I, and I don't feel like I can ever get up. I feel, I feel dirty and it feels difficult. And you know, the whole world can seem, start to seem that way. And I don't want you to lose your joy this morning. I don't want you to, to say in the, in, in, the, in the election season, in the season of COVID, in, in a season of economic uncertainty and politics and all of this, it's easy for, it would, be diff, it would be easy for us to do that. I have a friend named Bill, he and his wife, they traveled across country uh, from Michigan to Arkansas one time. And there somewhere just, uh, just outside of um, Memphis, they stopped at one of those full service gas stations. Have you ever been to one of those? Where you pull up and they come out and pump your gas and, and, uh, and they check your air tire and check your air pressure and, and wash your windshield and all that. Little, little tiny town and they go through there and Bill's in the passenger seat and, and, and Bernie, she's driving and Bill's, um, he's confined to a, to a wheelchair and so he's, he's crippled up pretty good and, and uh, he, he's a wonderful guy, a little cantankerous, um, but a wonderful man. He's gone on to be with the Lord. The guy come out to, uh, kind of like Gomer, come out to pump the gas. And while she was inside paying, he was washing the windshield. And he leaned over and cranked down the window. And he said, son, that was the, that was the poorest job I've ever seen of anybody washing a windshield in my whole life. And I'm old, so. He said, uh, do it again. Yes, sir. He, he scrubbed it and washed it again. He said, I don't know where you learned this. He goes, but where I'm from, when we clean a windshield, we get it clean there toward the end. About this time, Miss Bernie come around and she sat down in the seat and she said, what's going on? She said, he said, this idiot don't know how to wash a windshield for nothing. He's washing that windshield for the third time, humble, just a nice kid, you know. She reached over and grabbed the glasses off Bill's face and she and washed them off and put them back on his face. And lo and behold, would that windshield just as clean as could be? It wasn't the windshield at all. <laughs> his glasses was all muddied up and they were all fogged up. And that's why he had a bad outlook on things. This is easy for us to be that way too. It's easy for us to be that way too. In the castings of our life, in the tryings of our life, he really feels this way. He feels attacked by his enemies there in verse 9 and 10. He says, I'll say unto my God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? I go mourning because of the uh, oppression of my enemies. He says, I, I feel attacked. As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? I wonder if there wasn't some point in the psalmist's life that begin to wonder the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, if God really were what I think he ought to be, he wouldn't let me experience this kind of pain. Can I tell you a marvelous truth about God? He's not like you. He's not like you. Thank goodness for that. He's not what we think he ought to be. He is sovereign and he is just and he is august and he is supremely perfection exactly the way that he is. But he's not the way that we think he ought to be. 
He's not what we've imagined in our minds because we would have imagined that if it were my kids in real pain, I would have done something to intervene. But maybe he's more concerned with our growth and our progress than he is with our comfort level. Do you think that could be how he is? Is that who you've come to know? That he'll allow testings and, and difficult times so that there is a time of growing. And even in our despair, God is good. Let me tell you this. When life is bad, God is never bad. When life is not good, he still is. Regardless of the day-to-day -day operations, that's why God gives us joy and not happiness. Happiness has to do with our, our happenings. It has to do with, with the day's events. And if we have enough money to buy some breakfast and gas in our car and get to work, and that's a pretty good day. You see, but God is good if the bank account is empty. And if there's no money for breakfast, he is still good. He remains good. Regardless of what we feel or what we might think on that day. So you'll notice the most wonderful thing that I want to commend to you this morning. Look there in verse 5 with me again. We're going to read 5, 6, and 11. David does some marvelous preaching to himself. Now I know Brother Seth is a good preacher. I think. I've never heard you preach. But I think he's real good. So I don't want to hear you preach. It might ruin it for me. I'm just going to believe way up here. But did you know that his preaching is not going to be enough for you? You've got to feed yourself. You've got to feed yourself. Sometimes we have got to grab ourselves by the lapel, so to speak, and say, now listen here. I know it seems bad. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You might need to preach to yourself sometimes. Here's what David does in verse, I think it's David, verse 5. Why art thou cast down on my soul? He's confessing his heart. Why art thou disquieted with him? He's talking to himself, question mark, and then he, he changes his tone and he begins to, to speak truth to himself. Hope thou in God, he says. Don't hope in the presidency. Don't hope in, in, in even in your spouse. Don't hope in your pastor. Don't hope thou in God. I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? He says, I look in the mirror and I see this sad, pitiful uh, man staring back at me. And his countenance is cast down. You know what your countenance is? Your countenance is how you look. Your countenance is how you look. It's, it's kind of like what you radiate. Some folks can look at other Christians and say, there's a Christian right there. Your countenance is uplifted. There's a hope, there's a joy, there's a peace. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a supernatural uh, gifting to have a, a holy countenance. And David says his countenance is like that sheep in the mud with all this extra baggage and weight and is cast down. But he does not look to his own countenance. See there at the end of verse 5? 
I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. When I don't look so good, I look to him and he looks good to me. You see, God is on the throne. He has never at one time ever uh, abdicated any of his responsibility or his authority. He has never one time uh, wrung his hands. He, the Godhead has never had a, a triune meeting and said, now look at here, baby, your voice, what are we going to do about this? I didn't see this coming. Did you see this come? They've never one time been surprised. But he stands in control and august on his throne where he will never leave. And his son there at his right hand pleading on your behalf, calling your name to him. David says, I remind myself of who he is and what he's like and how he's been faithful. And I've got no business doubting him today, yesterday, or tomorrow. And I said, I will hope in him. I look to him. And it helps me stand up straight in this world. It's not my countenance. We cannot live on how we feel. We must live by what the Word of God says. He says it there again in verse 6. Why, O God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember. Oh, that's right, we've got to stir up some of those memories of how good God has been. I will remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites and the hills of Mizar. He says, I look back on the goodness of God. I remember how kind he's been and how he's, he's been so faithful. Oh, it's a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous thing in this world when we get tired of this world and begin to focus our eyes on him. It's almost as if the Lord lets us taste the bitterness of this world so that we long for the sweetness of who he is. There's that beautiful song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you know it? Look full in his wonderful face. Sing with me. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Isn't that just the way that this world is? We live here long enough, just long enough to realize I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> we used to sing a song at our church that says, I'd like to stay here longer than man's allotted days. And I was little, a kid in the choir going, that's dumb. I don't want to stay here a minute longer than I have to. I was only nine, I figured that was bad theology. <laughs> no, 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 I, I want to go just as soon as the Lord will let me loose out of this place, right? Isn't that the goal of the Christian? We want to stay here, we want to go there. We want to remember who he is and, and, and the, the beauty of his countenance. Because that's where our hope is. My hope is in Christ alone. I'll finish. Eventually. Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's right, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Christians say amen. And knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience 
hope. <laughs> and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You say we have this great hope that is born about by tribulation in this world as we continue to look unto the author and the finisher of our faith. That in the cast moments of our life, and every one of you Christians know what that's like. I will remember the Lord. God has earned your trust. He's worthy of our confidence this morning. He's worthy of our trust to say, Lord, I don't see it. I, I, I don't understand how it's uh, going to play out or why you've allowed this to happen. But I trust in you. And therefore, I live with a great hope. Peter said it was a, a lively hope, a living hope. I saw a documentary of a, of a guy, uh, James Stockdale, who was a, a Vietnam a veteran who flew for the Air Force, and he was one of the first pilots that was shot down and taken captive from the Air Force. And he was a POW in, in a prison camp there for seven years. Seven years. And it was terrible what they did to him. They, they, would, they, would, they would lift his hands above his head and tie him, and they would lift his feet just barely off the ground to where his toes could just barely touch. And the point of that torture was not so much the physical, it's just that he couldn't swat away the mosquitoes. They just eat him. They broke his knee uh, from the outside in, and, and it never did heal because it never received any medical attention, but it just broke, and they never gave him any kind of care. He said the word of the worst things was that they kept him completely separate from all of his other POWs. He said the only people I saw were the guy that came to bring me food and the guy that came to beat me up. Every day. Every day the beatings came. A couple times a week the food came. And they asked him, they said, how does a human being endure something like that for seven years? He said, I just would go in my mind. He said, and I would sing songs while I was dangling there in that little hut. And I would sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the joy, what does it say? The what? And the voice I hear calling, falling on my ear. He said, no other has ever known. He said, I would just spend time with God there and I would think to myself that today might be the day. I know there's some GIs coming out of a helicopter somewhere to get me. I know one, one of these days, it could be today, I'm going to hear that chopper come over this, this place and they're coming for me. I just know it could be the day. And he kept himself alive with hope until one day there was a treaty signed and there were some men in green fatigues who came through the jungle and they got him and took him home. He never walked right again because that knee never healed. But he is one of the great stories of keeping ourselves alive with hope. My friends, we've got nothing but reason to hope in God. And listen here. I don't mean to stand here and seem arrogant by, by preaching a message of hope when I don't really know what you have and are going through. 
I don't mean to be cavalier by, by diminishing your pain or, or not understanding your circumstances. I, 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 I acknowledge that I don't know that. Oh, but my friends, it could be today. It could be. He could come today. This could be the, the time. I might not make it back to Michigan. He could come. I know that he is coming. And so I will not continue to look at this world. I will continue to focus my eyes on the countenance of who he is. And I will draw my hope and my strength from there every day from now until I go to heaven. I'm going to live every day like it's the last. And one day I'll be right. Would you join me? Would you join me in saying, Lord, my hope is in Christ alone. Father, we want to lift up our eyes and we lift up our voices to tell you that we are in need. We are in need of your presence. And Father, we feel in many ways cast and in many ways cut down. But Lord, we have a great hope lying within us. So Lord, you see this morning the one who might have come and is feeling discouraged or maybe is really depressed. The one who is sad and the one who cries to sleep and the one who does not see a way out. Lord God, would you please, Lord, in your divine sovereignty, lift them and pick them up. Oh, administer your grace to their hearts. I pray, Lord God, that you would do for them what you've done for me. And Lord, give more, give more, give more. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.